He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys and Jim Woodward with you today. Our man T-Dub Taylor Williams is getting LASIK today, so maybe he'll be able to find some of those golf balls that he hits in the high native grass. No, I'm just giving T-Dub some crap there. T-Dub, a great golfer, and hope that the surgery goes well today. Woody, we got a big show today. We have three-time winner in 2023 on live Taylor Gooch coming on the show. I cannot wait to talk to him. He always gives us more time than we absolutely deserve. Uh, and I'm sure that he'll have a lot of great insight into not only the great golf that he's played recently, but the wild world of golf that we live in nowadays. But Woody, before we get to that, we have a lot of stuff going on in the golf world. We have the John Deere Classic. We have the Women's U.S. Open. But I want to start with Live London at Centurion. And Woody, I always ask T-Dub this question to start every preview show. Uh, but I'll ask you today. Brooks Kepka, Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Taylor Gooch, Bryson DeChambeau are your top five favorites analytically on data golf. Do you think that the winner comes out of those five, Woody? This week I do, Sam. I think those five guys are just – they're so much better than everybody else. And the, as good as Taylor's playing, why wouldn't he win again? I mean, that's what he did last time we had him on the show. He won at Adelaide, and then he won the next one in Singapore. So why let's just go with him thinking he's going to win again. I, I would love to see it. But I do think one of those five guys is going to win this golf tournament. I tend to agree with you. I mean, those are the five big names that we have on live right now. I mean, Brooks obviously winning a major this year. Cam Smith seems like he should pop any minute. He's played solid golf, Woody, but hasn't had that win yet this year. And he's headed to the Open Championship where he's the defending champion here in a couple of weeks. So maybe we see Cam Smith gearing up for the Open Championship. Dustin Johnson, Woody, is an interesting name because we've talked a lot about him talking about Zach Johnson's Ryder Cup picks for the U.S. team. Let's go through it. Let's dive into Dustin Johnson here for a second. We have last week at Live Valderrama finished ninth. He finished tied for 10th in the U.S. Open along with Austin Eckroat uh, at L.A. Country Club. Live D.C., he finished 27th, but I kind of throw that one out because they played the PGA Championship and Live Tulsa the two weeks leading up to Live D.C., and then, obviously, he had that win at Liv Tulsa at the PGA Championship. He finished tied for 55th, but really played solid golf for about a round and a half, was up near the top of the leaderboard at the start of the PGA, and then kind of faltered. And he, the thing that he's dealt with this year, and it, if you look at the analytics, it doesn't really show up because his driving stats are good, but he's been inconsistent at key times in rounds. Like, he's driven it well, but then he'll hit that one wayward tee shot that kind of gets the round off course a little bit. 
when you look at Dustin Johnson's season, Woody, do you think it's a disappointment or is it just kind of one of those years where he hasn't had everything click on the right week except for Liv Tulsa? You know, he's a he's an anomaly. We he's so good. We expect him to win two, three, four times a year, and when he doesn't, we think it's a bad year. I think with DJ, it, it just seems like when he's focused and he really wants to play golf, he's pretty good. But I think one of the reasons he went to live, same with Kip, because they don't want to play a lot of golf. They they like playing fewer tournaments, and so it's hard to stay sharp. I mean, he's got a lot going on, so. Is he a good guy to pick this week? He's due. Uh, the Cam Smith you were talking about. What I like about Cam, Cam's driving the ball better than he's ever driven it. He drove it beautifully last week at Valderrama. So he's got to be a threat. If Cam drives it well, as good as he putts, he's got to be a guy to look at. Wouldn't you think? No, I completely agree with you on that. Another thing is some of these live guys, Woody, were not on live yet when live London happened last year at Centurion. So you might have some prior course knowledge with players like a Taylor Gooch where, you know, you might not have that prior course knowledge with some of his teammates like a Harold Varner, the third who wasn't on live yet at live London at the start of live last year. Um, that fifth guy in that top five favorites analytically for Live London, Woody, is Bryson DeChambeau, and he's played some really solid golf recently. Obviously finished second at Valderrama to Taylor Gooch last week. He finished tied for 20th at the U.S. Open, tied for 10th in D.C., finished tied for 4th at the PGA Championship, solo 7th in Tulsa, and that's kind of when he started figuring things out. We're talking to him in Tulsa, and he seems happy and healthy and confident, and it seems like Bryson Woody is one of those guys that sometimes just has to convince himself that he's doing the right things, and like he said, trying to get back to what he was in 2018. I'm not sure what exactly that means to Bryson, but it seems like whatever he's trying to do is working recently with those finishes over his last five events. He is really, truly playing some elite, consistent golf, and it seems like he is due for a win anytime soon. Again, you know, that five guys you mentioned, how do you not go with them? I don't think you'll see a Charles Schwartz win like we did the first live event. I think I think these really good players are coming to the top, Sam, and that, that's what this tour was all about. So uh, I think it's going to be a dogfight. I don't know who's going to win this golf tournament. I think I know who's going to win this golf tournament, but having played it is a big advantage because it's a hard golf course. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about it. And if it were one of the names that, aren't in that top five as far as the analytics go starting from six on down you got Mito Pereira Joaquin Neiman two Chileans right there then you got Patrick Reed Harold Varner the third Sergio Garcia Jason Kokrak Cameron Tringali and Brandon Grace by the way Brandon Grace just qualified for the Open over in Europe I'm not sure do they call it sectional qualifying over there Woody for the uh, Open Championship but essentially he qualified through sectional qualifying uh, in Europe yesterday, and so obviously he's playing some good golf as well. Interesting that the guy who has shot the lowest score ever in was the lowest score ever in major championship history. It still is. Uh, he just has a couple other names, Xander Shoffley and Ricky Fowler along with him, but he still has the lowest score ever in 
Open Championship history. He had to go through qualifying and qualifies. He will be in Liverpool. So it's going to be interesting. I think that this course could possibly uh, favor some guys that aren't the longest hitters, hit it a little more straight. It's a tighter golf course, tough golf course. If you get it in the fairway off the tee, you're going to have a huge advantage this week at Centurion. Oh, big time. It is a driver's golf course, and it's just hard golf course. So those guys that you're talking about are going to be still the ones to look at. I, I think well, the guy that surprised me hadn't played good yet is Joaquin Newman. I, I, I kind of thought, I felt like he would have won one by now. So it's interesting to see, but I just don't see somebody but from those top five. I, I really feel strongly about those top five this time, Sam. Well, I really do. Joaquin Newman's interesting, Woody, because if you look at his finishes – they're not terrible. He just hasn't popped yet this year. I mean, at Valderrama, he finished 10th. and Tulsa, he finished 9th. and Singapore, he finished 10th. Uh, he missed the cut at the PGA Championship, but he finished tied for 16th at the Masters. Did get off to that slow start earlier on in the year on live with finishes of like 11th, 37th, 33rd. But he's kind of come on strong, but... It's consistent, but not consistently elite. It's kind of just consistently good. Uh, what things would you be telling Joaquin Neiman mentally going into the last half of this live season to kind of break through and get that win? It's a really fine line when we get to professional golf, right, Woody? I think it is, and that's what we're talking about, Sam. That's such a fine line, and it is a fine line with Joaquin right now. He's doing a lot of things really well, but he's not doing them all well at the right time. So and and just like that, it all of a sudden could change. Uh, we watched Taylor come out this year. We knew Taylor was playing some good golf, but we didn't know he was going to play like this. And if Joaquin can get a win, then all of a sudden you might see the floodgates open up like they did for Taylor. But I don't think he's going to win this week. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I think he's right there, and it's it's coming. But these other guys are just playing such good golf, and they're not making mistakes. They're not making any mistakes. Taylor's not making any mistakes. He's doing all the right things to win golf tournaments. And so he can't expect those guys to falter. He's going to have to pick it up one more notch. And I'm just not sure where that notch is, Sam. I haven't watched him enough to tell you. But I think he's still just a little ways away. And we talk about strength of field, Woody. I mean, a guy like Joaquin Neiman's job got a lot harder as far as trying to win golf tournaments when Brooks, Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Taylor Gooch, and Bryson DeChambeau are all playing good golf. We can talk about how much harder it is to win on the PGA Tour with full fields and cuts and stuff like that. But when you have those five names on the leaderboard, it's tough to convince yourself that, hey, I am better than these guys, right? Some of it's mental, and a lot of it even is just physical. I mean, those guys are playing better golf than the rest of the field. I mean, and that that's why they are household names, right, Woody? It's tough. It is tough. It's tough to win at any league, and that's the argument. People always throw at us, Sam, that, well, they're not playing against as many good players. Well, and you could say that, granted, that sometimes the 75th guy or the 100th guy in a PGA event can possibly pull off a win. But when you think about the quality of those really top five, top ten guys on that, that live tour, you still got to beat them. And you still got to be the guy that finishes first. And it's a lot harder to do than people think. People are taking for granted what Taylor Gooch is doing. What he's doing is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal that he's playing week in, week out, 
granted, he's feeding probably 10, 15 guys, but there are 10, 15 guys that have won majors that are some of the best players in the world. And he's looking them right in the eye, he's staring them down, and then he's running right over them. Uh, so, man, I, I just I wish people would give that a little more credit. That's all I wish, okay? And I think they will, but still there's too many golf people out there that are stuck in their ways that are not giving these guys enough credit for how good a golf they're playing. There's no doubt about it. And if you watch these live events, they're not pillow fights. It's not like they're winning golf tournaments, you know, making pars and bogeys coming down the stretch. They These guys are hitting unbelievable shots coming down the stretch. They're not pillow fights whatsoever. you got to play some really elite golf to win one of these things, much less three of these things like Taylor Gooch has done. Woody, I picked Taylor Gooch after he won in Australia and he won the next week in Singapore, so I have to pick him again this week. And I'm not going to black cloud you. I want him to win, and I think <laughs> he is going to win, but I'm staying sure not going to black cloud you with this one. So what have I got to go with? I've got to go with the guys that I think are still left in that top five between Cam, Bryson, and DJ. Which one of them is going to have that good week? I'm thinking that, I don't know, I'm still afraid of Tambo driving it on a hard golf course. So I'm going to go with DJ this week. I'm going with Dustin Johnson. It'll be interesting to see how Dustin Johnson is playing leading up to the Open Championship, considering he has to play well at that Open Championship to get a Ryder Cup pick. By the way, people forget that last year Bryson did finish in the top 10. I think he finished tied for eighth at the Open Championship, even though he was going through that slump. It would be a massive win for Bryson if he were to win the Open Championship for obvious reasons as well. So all of these guys with major motivation headed into the major championship. As far as the teams go, Woody, I am going to hedge my bets. I am going with Team Ripper this week. I think that Cam Smith's going to have a good week, but I really like TG this week as well. Well, since you're going that way, I'm going Range Goats take the team man <laughs> there you go i figured i would give you i would throw you a bone there woody well so. you're a nice man thank you so much because and i'm not too stupid these days i'm a little smarter than that i'm going with range goats because i think tg might win this golf tournament yeah no i i think that he has a really good chance to win this tournament as well the team that we never really talk about team Torquay uh just got another win last week so Definitely don't sleep on the team that is captained by Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira, Sebastian Munoz in the top 10 on live as well. Team Torque playing some really good golf. Multiple wins on live this year as well. Woody, let's move on to the Women's U.S. Open. And they are headed to Pebble Beach this week. What are your thoughts on the women playing at Pebble? I think it's great that they get a chance to finally play one of those classic golf courses. I'll be curious to see the rough, for one thing. How deep is it? The other thing I'll be curious to see is how these girls handle that kind of a, oh, that kind of historic type of golf course that they never get to really play. So I like Rosang. Uh, I'm not afraid of her to come out and win a major, even though it'll be her third term of the year. I think she's really strong and can really play golf. So I think it'll be fun to watch. I think that this is one time, Sam, 
that I'll probably watch some women's golf, believe it or not. Hey, I, I don't blame you because Rose Zhang, to me, is must-watch TV no matter what tournament it is. She's the women's version of Tiger Woods. She's had the greatest amateur career you could possibly have, and she goes out and she's already dominant on the LPGA. She is the favorite this week at plus 1,200. It's rare, it, at least in men's golf, that you get a favorite at plus 1,200, Woody. I'm... I'm saying that's my best bet of the week. Rose Zang plus 1,200 at the Women's U.S. Open. She's not scared of anybody. I, when you told me that, that she was plus 1,200, I was shocked. I still can't believe they could make her that big of an underdog, as good as she is. So if a person was going to gamble on golf, that's a hell of a pick this week. <laughs> it really is. really is. Uh, Jin Young Ko is your second favorite. Kim, third favorite. And you have Nellie Korda as your fourth favorite this week at the Women's U.S. Open. Other big names like Brooke Henderson, Lydia Ko in the event as well. I saw Annika talking about how great it is that the women are playing at Pebble Beach. Uh, I'm really excited to see it this week. Uh, I know that you know, no matter how far they're playing in it or how long the rough is, um, just the mental aspect of playing in a U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, that's going to mean something coming down the stretch. It'll be interesting to see how these girls handle it. Well, that's what, that's going to be the fun part is watching them play, uh, like I said, a classic golf course that they never get on. So it'll be curious to see where they hit it, what clubs they hit compared to the men. I think that's going to be the most fun to watch. But I think it's going to be a dogfight because it's an open, you know, how they get where it just gets everybody gets knotted up and they can't put on a finish them. So it'll be fun to watch this. I think it's going to be really a good week to watch golf. No doubt about it. Rose Zhang, anytime she tees it up, I'm definitely in on watching some women's golf. Uh, Woody, last tournament we got to get to here before we get to our interview with Taylor Gooch. That is the John Deere Classic. Woody, did you ever play in the John Deere Classic? You know, I played in the John Deere Classic, but it wasn't at the golf course it is now. It was actually called the Quad Cities at that time. The, the history of the Quad Cities, just for those people that don't know, it was the one time Tiger Woods got beat in a playoff, and he got beat by a guy named Ed Fiore. Now, if you want to have a funny guy at Google, look at Ed Fiore. His nickname was The Grip because he had the worst grip for a professional golfer I ever saw. It was almost a 10-finger, real strong. It was the ugliest grip you've ever seen. But Ed Fiore was just the kind of guy that he didn't care who Tiger Woods was. He didn't even think about it, and he ended up beating him. So go back in your history books and look up the Quad Cities when he took down Tiger. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Still to this day, everybody laughs about it. They say Tiger Woods got beat by Ed Fiore in a playoff. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious to look back on now. Uh, the John Deere Classic, obviously the epitome of non-elevated events, Woody. Uh, not the greatest field, but you still have some interesting names this week at the John Deere Classic. I'll read off the top five favorites analytically from Data Golf. Russell Henley is your favorite this week at the John Deere. You got Cam Young, Denny McCarthy, Stephen Yeager, and Guess who the fifth one is, Woody? Ludwig Aberg is your fifth favorite 
analytically. Also, some other names that you might recognize, like a Ben On, who won the amateur up at Southern Hills back in the day. You got Taylor Moore in the tournament, who's been playing some really solid golf as well. What are your thoughts on the John Deere Classic this week, and what type of player do you think might win? Well, I hope Aberg doesn't win because they'll put him on that Ryder Cup team. They're probably going to put him on that Ryder Cup team anyway. I was hoping they'd stay with those yahoos they had in their top ten. But if if, if they don't go with uh, Aberg for that that European team, they're crazy. So I kind of want Taylor Moore. I think Taylor Moore might try this this week. I think he's found something again. He's back to where he was. He could win this golf tournament. I'd much rather see him win than Ludwig Aberg because even though I love that kid, I love what he is. I love how good a player he is, and I think he's going to the future of golf. It's going to be bright for him. I really want to tell you more to win this week. Another interesting name that's not in that top five favorites analytically, Emiliano Grillo, who obviously won at Colonial at the Charles Schwab Challenge when his ball was rolling down the aqueduct, uh, if you remember that. But then he also finished tied for 15th last time he teed it up at the Travelers. He's playing some really solid golf recently. Now, he did miss the cut at the U.S. Open, but that can happen to anybody. Emiliano Grillo is a name to look out for this week. I think that Denny McCarthy or Russell Henley, one of those really solid putters, is going to have a good week this week. I know I'm going chalk, uh, at least analytically on data golf here, but Russell Henley, Woody, has played some really, really solid golf recently, 19th, 14th, 16th, 16th. That is his last four finishes, and he's obviously finished second here at the John Deere. He's finished 11th, 27th. He likes the golf course, and he's playing some really consistent golf recently. I'm going with my one-and-done this week, Russell Henley. Well, we always say horses for courses, and that's a darn good one, Sam. Uh, I think the one thing about the John Deere that you can count on is you can't count on it. You don't know who's going to win this golf tournament, but I'm going to go my one-and-done. It used to be Steve Stricker, right? Well, it used to be Steve Stricker, but he's busy over there on that champions tour right now. <laughs> so right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Taylor Moore. I, I think we might have that double Taylor this week. I, wouldn't that be fun? Kind of an off week. It's not a big week, but uh, two Taylors. Uh, you've got Gooch in the that one. I'm going to take more in this one. I love it. I love it. And we ask Taylor Gooch about Taylor Moore later on in the show. Definitely stay tuned to hear what he has to say about his old buddy. Taylor Moore. Other names in the tournament, you got Sam Stevens. Uh, you have Gordon Sargent. We talk about Love the Gayberg. A year ago, Woody, people thought that Gordon Sargent was going to be where Ludwig Aberg is right now, but Ludwig has proven that he is the complete package, fully polished already just, you know, weeks into his PGA Tour career. I'm excited to see if Ludwig Aberg can put himself in contention this week at the John Deere Classic. Let me not let you guys wait any longer. We need to hit a break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. After the break, Taylor Gooch, who, yes, just won for the third time on Live last week at Valderrama. He's headed to Live London this week. We get into not only the great play that he's had on Live, but we talk wild world of golf that we live in nowadays, and we talk Ryder Cup stuff as well. We even talk about some old stories from his Carl Albert days back in Oklahoma. What do you Thank you. We obviously did not have Taylor Williams today. He's out 
getting LASIK surgery. So hopefully the surgery went well today, Taylor. We're thinking about you. This has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd Hole podcast. Enjoy the interview with Taylor Gooch coming up after the break on the 73rd Hole podcast. And if you don't know already, we're right there on the front page on golfoklahoma.org as well as the podcast page on thesportsanimal.com. And you can also hit that subscribe button and get a notification whenever we drop great episodes like this one. We'll be back right after the break on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole podcast. Hey, Sam, don't forget, the thing I'm most excited about with Taylor getting that LASIK, we got that golf tournament in a couple weeks, that Carl Albert fundraiser. If anybody hadn't maybe entered his like to call John Conrad and get it in. But you know why I'm most excited about Taylor getting those the LASIK done is I want him to be able to see all those putts I'm going to make. And that way it'll be really fun for me. Yeah, his eyes will be perfect. And they'll be going in from everywhere. And he'll go, Woody, I'm tired of this. <laughs> That's exactly right. Hopefully Taylor will be able to see all the bombs that Woody is making at the Carl Albert scramble. Yes, like Woody just said, definitely call John Conrad if you want a spot and it's July 14th and 15th and we will be doing our show from out there as well so you're not going to want to miss the festivities out at John Conrad coming up in just a couple weeks yes let's go ahead and hit a break here on the 73rd hole podcast Taylor Gooch coming up right after the break on Oklahoma's leader in golf the 73rd hole Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. And we're back on the other side of the break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Let's not wait any longer. Let's get straight to our special guest, Taylor Gooch, friend of the show, best friend of the 73rd Hole Podcast. And this is the third time we have had Taylor Gooch on after a victory this year in 2023 after a win on live and Taylor before we get into anything about the win I just got to get the big elephant out of the room ask the question everyone in the golf world wants to know Taylor what is the 4th of July like in London because I know you just spent the 4th of July in London leading up to live London this week I mean what's it like in London well uh uh, me and a a few other Americans might have told you know all these Brits here uh, you know, enjoy working on you know a day where we celebrate freedom back home. But you know, that's, you know, we're, we're we're here in London enjoying you know the greatest holiday in, in the world while you guys are, are working. So <laughs> no, nah, hey, it was my my wife is here with me, and we uh, went and had some 
some dinner and some drinks down in, in the city and uh, didn't celebrate with fireworks, but we still had a good time. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. Let's get to the win last week, TG, because Live Golf at Valderrama, a historical course, big time. It, that, I mean, that course could hold major championships. It's held many great tournaments in the past. Big time golf course, Live Andalusia. And you go out there, and not only is the golf course big time, that leaderboard was big time as well. You were battling out Bryson, obviously, coming down the stretch. Brooks also in that final group. Just take me through that last day at Live Andalusia and tell me what things you did and what you were proud in yourself of, of getting it done down the stretch and what was kind of your mindset through that whole final round. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were trying to uh, to beat two major champions like, like Brooks and Bryson. You know that it's not going to be handed to you. So, you know, I knew it was going to take a, a good day of golf and, um, you know, fortunately, we were able to, you know, have a good day. And, and I was just happy with, with how we stayed patient, you know, throughout the day. I, I was, uh, you know, kind of, I'm not going to say a slow start because it's not an easy golf course to, to get, you know, going early on. But, you know, I, I think I was I think I was even at the turn and ended up shooting three under. And, and so just, you know, did a good job of staying patient, waiting for my time and, um, you know, taking advantage of, of the opportunities I had down the stretch. Taylor, it seems like, forever ago when you won at RSM. It, where it seems like it is, it hasn't been. And then all of a sudden, we just had this stellar year. I, I think our listeners or any good golfer wants to know, well, where was the aha moment for you? What has changed so much with Taylor Gooch that now he takes on former major champions and just just says, hey, you know what? I'm going to beat your ass. And you do it. You know, uh, I, I always tell people a few years back right when I just got onto the Corn Ferry Tour back in 2016 or whenever it was um, I had set up a kind of system for how I wanted to approach this golf career and I viewed this career like it is a a novel Uh, you know it's a 500 page book call it and each day was you know, a sentence or each day was a, a new page. Uh, each week, each tournament was a new chapter, you know, a new page. And, and I just wanted to make sure I was taking advantage of every day, every week, every opportunity I had to, to grow and to learn and to improve. And so, you know, this year, it's really just a, it's a culmination of, you know, years and years of patience and, and hard work and, you know, resilience and perseverance, um, you know, there there really isn't, you know, like this pixie dust that I just sprinkled over my clubs this year. It's, it's just a culmination of years and years of patience and hard work. And, you know, I, I talked about this with a few people. My, you know, my first couple of years on the PJ Tour, I, I was dealing with some injuries and I had some setbacks and I had some stuff that made the, you know, start to my PJ Tour career be a little bit bumpy. and um, you know, as we all know, with athletes being healthy and, and injury free is invaluable. And as we've seen with Brooks, in the way that he's, you know, his career is he's researched, you know, his whole career is by being healthy the last, you know, year. And um, we can't do what we do best at the highest of levels unless we're healthy. And so, 
you know, it took me a couple of years to get healthy and, and really good. And now I'm at a place where I've, I've, Feel like I've got my feet under me. I'm, I'm comfortable and confident with my game. I, I know what my game is, and um, like I said, it, it didn't happen overnight. One of my uh, favorite Big Sean quotes is, "I guess it took ten years for me to be an overnight success." And I think this is, like I said, a lot of years of hard work, a lot of years of patience, and and just doing the work. You know, you you can't. You can't fake the work. You can't fake the, the sacrifice and everything that it takes to, you know, get the most out of your craft and, and get the most out of your performance. And, um, you know, it's, it's just it's nice to see, like I said, all this time and effort and sacrifice and patience and hard work, uh, you know, pay off in such a big way. That's what I was hoping, because you've always heard people say golf, professional golf, it is not a sprint it's a marathon mm-hmm. and that's what Correct. you just said. And, and, and your words, you just told me exactly any guy that's ever going to be at that level and stay at that level. He understands there's a Charlie horse or a pulled hamstring, but he also understands if he just stays the course, he'll stay there. So congratulations. That's uh you are maturing quite well, young man. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it, it, you know, there's been such incredible, uh, talent and stars in, in the game of golf over the last 20 years that have had such ultra success really early. And it's kind of skewed the public opinion, I believe, in how this game just doesn't happen that quickly for most guys. And, um, and those, you know, the, the Justin Thomases and the Colin Morikawas and the Victor Hovlins and Ricky Fowlers and all these guys who, you know, right out of school had this, ultra, you know, successful career immediately, um, you know, they're, they're the anomalies and that's just not, that just doesn't happen often, uh, but it's happened more often in the last 20 years than, you know, it ever has happened. And so um, I wasn't the superstar at 25 that, you know, uh, Ricky Fowler and Corey McElroy and guys like that were. And for me, it's just, it's, you know, taken a little bit longer for me to, uh, you know, get, my game to a place that uh, can compete you know, with anyone in the world. TG, I want to go back to that end of the final round at Valderrama. 17, it looks like you're in the driver's seat. Bryson hits an immaculate shot from over in the left trees in jail. Over the green ends up making birdie. You make birdie as well. And then we go to 18, and you hit it on the green about, what, 18 feet short of the hole. You got a big right-to-left swinger uh, up the hill, and you just rolled that right in the heart like you knew the line. Uh, take me through that final putt and maybe even through those final two holes because I thought that you were going to have a one-shot lead headed into 18, and turns out you're tied going into 18, and then you get it done on 18 anyway. Yeah, man, the, the amount of uh, grit that Bryson showed on that back nine was impressive because he, he wasn't driving it particularly well on the back side. And so he was in the trees a, a few times and he just kept, kept figuring out how to make bars, kept figuring out how to get these, you know, great escape shots. And he, um, he, you know, I obviously didn't see until after the round the, the shot he hit on 17 and how phenomenal that was. That was, you know, that was a do or die moment. And he, uh, he, in a, a incredible golf shot to, to get it to where it was and, and an absolutely incredible birdie. And so, um, you know, 18 is one of the 
one of the tougher holes on the golf course for sure. And, and, uh, really, really tricky tee ball. And, um, you know, I, I had a good tee ball to get, to get myself in the fairway and, and Bryson, uh, took a little bit more aggressive line and, and it didn't pay off. And he was in the trees and, um, on that hole from the right trees, it's just the way that the trees are, it's just so difficult to have a shot get up and up near the green. And, uh, but like I said, he had been doing it all back time. And so I, I knew, I knew Parr was probably not going to win me the golf tournament. Uh, Parr rarely wins you a golf tournament against major champions and, and guys like Brooks and Bryson. And so, um, man, I just, I was fortunate and had a really, really good number. I had 203 to, to the pin. And I was trying to land it, uh, about 195 and just did a beautiful six iron to, like I said, about 18 feet. And, um, I, I didn't want to go play 18 again, so I said, I, I need to make this putt so I can end this thing now, and fortunately, that, that thing went in there. I have a question, too, and this is more of a follow-up for Mal Baker. It seems like Mal gets in there, he kind of you know tells you where to aim, and you just get up there and hit it. Is that really the case? Is Mal? Are you really relying on Mal that much, even in clutch situations? So on, on the greens, it's, um, we don't have an exact formula. Uh, kind of depends on how I'm seeing it, how I'm reading it, and how the day's going. But uh, that day I had a couple uh, putts early on that I was a little bit uh, unsure about, and I called them in, and, uh, you know, we hit a couple good putts early. And so I just kind of rolled with it the rest of the day. And, and um, you know, fortunately on that putt, I, I picked out a spot, and, and I said, you know, what are you thinking here? And he goes, that's exactly what I see. Um, and so we were just on the same page and, uh, I think we collectively put a pretty good read on it. And, uh, and more importantly, the, the speed of it was kind of not super easy because it was kind of up a hill. But as we know, like those ones that are swinging a bit, as it starts to swing, it's now swinging down the hill. So I had to hit an aggressive putt, uh, or, you know, it's, it's going to lose its time. But you also, you know, you don't want to have a, a three footer, uh, to, you know, after trying to make a play, you don't want to have that three footer to get in a playoff. So, you, you know, it's, as we all know, in those, those moments, it's, it's kind of one of those plus it's, it's easy to not be aggressive with. Um, but I just sat there and like I said, I, didn't want to go into the playoffs. So I said, let's just, let's just make this sucker. And you did. And you did. So big picture about Valderrama, TG. It was the first time you've teed it up since the whole U.S. Open, USGA deal where obviously you qualified for the U.S. Open and they didn't let you play. How big of a motivating factor was it being the first time you teed it up since then at Valderrama? And did you put any thought into that? Were you thinking about, I want to prove something to those guys this week? Yeah, I mean, any athlete, any golfer, like, if, if you don't love a, a good chip on your shoulder, I, I don't know if you're cut out for being a professional athlete. And so, yeah, I mean, until I play in the next U.S. Open, that's, that's always going to be there, you know. Um, this whole last, you know, year of golf, it you know, feels like every week there's something new to try to prove to people. So it's kind of becoming, uh, kind of becoming the norm. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I – Obviously, I wish I would have played the U.S. Open, um, and I, I, it's unfortunate how it turned out. But as I keep saying, it's it's just the rule of 67, man. You go out there, go shoot 67, and everything will take care of itself. 
great attitude, my friend, great attitude. Uh, you know, here's a question for you. It kind of to lead up, I'm going to compliment you again because, you know, I'm the old fart in the room. Uh, every place you're going, no, that's not true. I usually tell somebody playing golf, every place you're going, I've already been. Well, you've already done a lot more than I ever did in golf. But I have traveled a road or two. Here's, mm-hmm. here's the thing. This 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 Ryder Cup thing's going to be coming up. And, and uh, if you listen to our podcast, you know we're on your team. I feel like you've kind of gotten blackballed a little bit from some comments you made earlier in the year. But let me just say this to you. A strong person will speak their mind, okay? And you should never be ashamed of saying anything that you feel strongly about, okay? I don't care who barbecues you or what they say. If you keep being Taylor Gooch, you're going to be fine, okay? So having said all that, what are your vibes about the upcoming Ryder Cup pick? Has Zach Johnson even mentioned you or talked to you or anything the the last time i i spoke with Jack johnson about any of this was ironically at the colonial last year right before this started uh we were paired together on sunday and we were talking about the president's cup at the time because the president's cup was the next you know was that fall and he was talking about you know davis love and this is what he was kind of giving me a rundown of things because at that point in time I was, uh, you know, in a good position to make the President's Cup team, and um, and so since then we, you know, we we haven't chatted. I, um, I'm sure, uh, you know, the he's had people talk to him about the whole situation, and you know, who knows what that's been about. But you know, that was the first um, the first thought that crossed my mind uh, whenever the news was announced of the of the merger was. You know, I wonder what this means for the Ryder Cup now, uh, because you know, in spite of everything that's happened over the last year, you know, like all of us, I, I grew up dreaming of playing in a Ryder Cup. I, in high school and college, I dreamed of beating beating Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood and guys like that at a Ryder Cup. So, um, you know, to have the opportunity to play in the Ryder Cup would for sure be a dream come true. And you know, like like I said a second ago, it's kind of always comes back to the rule of 67. I'm going to continue to try to shoot 67 as much as I can. And if I do it enough, everything uh, usually takes care of itself. Taylor, kind of talking about that, you are the only American with three wins around the world. And we've heard a lot of people in the golf media or on social media try to kind of poo-poo live wins. Now, when we talk about strength of field and you know everything that goes into building a Ryder Cup resume, what would you tell those critics and haters about how tough it actually is to win one of these live events, and how would you kind of stack up a live win versus a PGA Tour win that was non-elevated since you've done both? Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate question, you know, in, in the current state of professional golf. You know, it's like... It's, it's really impossible to compare the two because they are so different. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when, when you're beating guys that are winning majors, competing in majors, which everyone agrees is the ultimate testing ground, you know, when when you're beating guys and on, you know, great golf courses like Valderrama and, you know, when, when it's, it's always funny to me the whole, you know, exhibition 
you know, talk has, has of course slowed down here in the last few weeks, but it's just funny because, you know, I've just, I've never, uh, I've never seen, you know, an exhibition that has so much money on the line, uh, that can be, that can be life changing, that can make such a difference in so many people's lives. Like, you know, exhibitions are, uh, when you're, you know, playing for 20 bucks with your, Buddy, it's not when you're playing for four million dollars with major champions and some of the best players in the world. So I don't know what the I, I don't have an answer. I don't know how you compare, you know, PGA Tour wins versus you know live wins because it, it is so different. But I just know at the end of the day, when when you're beating everyone that you're competing against, and uh, those guys are major champions and some of the best players in the world currently and over the last twenty years. That's just not an easy thing to do. Let me tell you this much. I don't know a lot, but when you win, you win. And you're beating world-class players. So you're winning. They can call whatever they want. They can throw any kind of poo-poo they want on this. Bull, that's winning. That's what you've been doing. And that, 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 I don't care what they say. I'll defend you till the cows come home. And I also will defend you with all the people from your former town that I still see and talk to that say, well, I think he made a bad decision. Well, I ask them all, everyone I see now, how's that decision looking now? And I'm, I'm getting a glow for you right now. Uh, this is, this is what's great about golf. I'm right now. And I, I'll be curious to see, did you ever play hidden Creek family course? They call it mid meadows. Did you ever play that? First one one was there. <laughs> See, I'm over here with my I'm over here with my 11 year old grandson today, and uh, I, I just love it. And I, you can tell I'm over here because there goes an airplane over. I hope it isn't making too much noise. But when you think back, think back that you made your first hole in one at Midget Meadows. You know, tell people how long you've been doing this. They don't understand that, that you started when you were very little. How old were you when you made that hole in one, by the way? I was nine years old. Wow. What hole? Do you remember? I, I, I want to say, I remember the hole. I don't remember which. I want to say maybe like the seventh hole. Uh, yeah. But it was like it was like 120 yards, and I hit eight iron. That's all I remember. You had an eight iron for 127? At that, it, was wow. it was something like that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I got I got off the off the subject a little bit because now that you're a grown adult and winning golf tournaments like crazy, but I think everybody has to understand that where the roots come from, they don't always come from this fancy country club. They don't always come from the the, the perfect scenarios. They come from a midget meadows. And as I look around this place, it excites me that my 11-year-old grandson wants to play. I, I'm sorry I got off the subject, guys. Great answer. I had I to ask that question, Sam. So now <laughs> no, you I can love go it. back to talking about real golf. Hey, I love it. I love <laughs> I hearing love about the roots. And uh, let's say you did make the Ryder Cup team and played well in the, in the Open Championship, TG. If you make the Ryder Cup, who would be your ideal partner? There's guys that obviously you've played team golf with before, like uh, Max Homa. And my other question, TG, would be, which European would you most like to play in Ryder Cup singles? Man, good questions. Um, yeah, I mean, Max and I, for years, I've talked about teaming up in Ryder Cup and how cool it would be, and especially uh, in Italy, uh, 
and my my wife and I did our honeymoon in Italy. Him and his wife were supposed to do their honeymoon in Italy, and they couldn't. And so we were talking about how it would just be, you know, the the perfect scenario that we both make the Ryder Cup team and we take our wives on trips to Italy and we go try to win a Ryder Cup. And so, yeah, Max is, you know, one of my best buddies and it would be super cool to be able to team up with him. And golly, for, um, for singles, I mean, it would be cool. To, it would be cool to take down Poulton. I mean, he's arguably the, you know, greatest European Ryder Cup player, of, you know, of ever, like, forever and but especially in the last 20 years you know he's he's kind of a guy that's known you know on sunday to uh go and get the point for the euro team and so it'd be uh and, and plus um you know he and i've played played a, a bit here and there lately and and uh it would be pretty dang cool to have uh the ultimate trump card whenever a little smack talking starts to uh starts to happen <laughs> no that that would absolutely be great um speaking of it wasn't your former teammate but he did go to college where you went to college ricky fowler just got his first win after the long slump that he went through back with butch wins at the rocket mortgage what were your thoughts on ricky winning over on the pga tour man just so dang cool i mean every everyone in in golf and professional golf and the fan perspective, like everyone knows like what a just absolute class act Ricky is. Ricky, I, I first uh, spent time with Ricky when I was in high school. I caddied for him at the club links at Jimmy Austin. It was right before he was turning pro. It was, he had like maybe one or two tournaments after that as an amateur and then was going to turn pro. And, um, He's the same Ricky now as he was then 15 years ago. And so, man, he's just such a kind, uh, you know, generous individual. And uh, to see him fight back and uh, get back in the winning, winter circle, it's just it's beyond cool. And, and it just shows you the, the perseverance, uh, the the hard work. I mean, just it's just super special. And, and like I said, it, just, it couldn't have happened to a better guy and so just awesome awesome to see and for, for his family to be there and just all of this just very very special yeah here lately i've had to be really pretty humble it seems like you've helped me out as far as pistols firing but with ricky coming through and uh wyndham clark coming through and a few a few cowboys have rallied here i've been having to put up with this booner talk for a long time here and it's getting kind of rough so i appreciate you coming through in the clutch for me okay <laughs> Now, here's an interesting question for you. I, I've i watched enough of the live and watched you play down the stretch. The one thing I noticed that you do really well now, and I don't think you were as good before. I just I can't say it without you. Know, that's why I'm asking the question. The one thing I always bash Roy McIlroy. Everyone, everyone's talked about how great he is. Okay, he cannot hit a cut shot with a driver. And then down the stretch of majors, he never drives the ball any well. What have you done different with your driver? Your driver now, when it's when it's the nut cutting, will you drive the ball in the fairway to anybody right now? Yeah, I mean that's been um, you know a, a huge focal point for me and, and my team uh, over the past two years. You know we've gotten you know my iron game, my approach game, uh, pretty dang good, and, and so I as I've told y'all numerous times, you know if we get get in the fairway, we're you know, we're going to have a chance to do something. And so, and we just, 
we've just worked hard. We just put a lot of time in, and, and we we found a couple shots. Uh, not a couple. We found one shot. You know, it's it's a, it's a bullet cut. You know, it, it, it's a shot that you know I'm, I'm trying to get better and better at and perfect it more and more so that, like I said, when it's nut cutting time, what uh what are you going to do? And that's 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 what I'm going to do normally. And so um, it's been working pretty good lately. And and you know hopefully we can continue to you know get it better and better and you know just the better that we drive it as as everyone knows the better that we drive it this it's just going to give us more opportunities to you know win majors and 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 continue to win win tournaments and so it it's absolutely been a focal point for you know my preparation my practice and you know hopefully we can continue to to improve and and be a great driver TG, on, along those same lines, this one comes from T-Dub, who, by the way, is having LASIK today, so hopefully his surgery goes well. But he wanted me to ask you, uh, what is your experience like with Lynx Golf as we look forward to the Open Championship? Uh, and what's your outlook for the British Open this year? We're talking about stingers and major championships. It seems like it all should should set up well for you, right? Yeah, I mean, we all know that we aren't uh, afraid of a little bit of wind uh, being from Oklahoma. So it's, it's a type of golf course or a style of golf course, swing style that, um, you know, I think my game fits pretty well on. And, and, you know, I, I two years ago uh, at uh, Royal St. I think I finished like 30th or something. It was my, uh, my first British open. I, um, I went straight from my daughter being born straight from the hospital to the airport and, directly over to, to play in the tournament and I like I finished like 30th I, I, I made nothing for the week and uh that was about as bad as I could have finished and then um last year um I was really probably one swing away from kind of being in the thick of things come Sunday on Saturday afternoon I think I was around 10th 10th and 12th place call it and um at at the old score St. Andrews and uh, par five coming down the stretch, like 15 or I can't remember exactly the hole, but around 15, I, I, there's OB up the right and, uh, you gotta kind of cut, you gotta cu- cut the corner a little bit over the OB, um, and it kind of runs diagonally. And, and unfortunately, I just, I just shoved it and I hit it out of bounds and, uh, I ended up making a double bogey and then I, I three putted the next hole for bogey and, uh, and just stumbled down the stretch and, you know, I was now playing well and, and, you know, having some success on, you know, another Lynx course and unfortunately didn't, didn't have a great finish. Uh, but, you know, I just, I like the style of golf. It's, um, the Open Championship is, is, it's my favorite tournament in the world. Like, I, there's nothing like it. It's just, it's so, so cool. So, so fun. The, the atmosphere is just, man, it's just, it's hard to explain to people that haven't been there. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm uh, so you know super excited for um, for Liverpool. It's it's going to be awesome, and um, yeah, any anytime you can play an Open Championship or link style, you know, golf course, it's it's going to be it's going to be a blast. TG, I have a little follow-up here, and I feel like I know what your answer is going to be, and I think it might involve 67. Uh, but we did see you teed up at the PGA when you had to play well to get into the U.S. Open. Now, uh, it, a lot of pressure on this Open Championship from the outside that if you play well in the Open, you're 
going to have a decent shot on getting on this Ryder Cup team. How do you block all that stuff out? And uh, I, I assume it has something to do with 67, right? <laughs> Correct. And, and it's not necessarily like a block it out. It's, you know, you got to embrace it. It's, it's just, you know, it's an opportunity to go and play well and make a Ryder Cup. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing different than a lot of golfers, uh, you know, have experienced, you know, forever. And so, yeah, you just it's embrace it. You know, my tenure, I think back to like my 10-year-old self, if I would have told him that, you know, 30 years old, you're going to play an open championship. And if you go play well, you're, you know, going to continue to position yourself for making the Ryder Cup team. It's, um, that's what dreams are made of. So it's, uh, it's going to be a cool opportunity. And, you know, at the end of the day, I got to go hit that first fairway and, and hit that first green and, and see if we can uh, make a birdie on the first hole and then we go from there. Well, PG, I know one thing. Uh, the golf gods are going to pay you back, son. They're going, they're going, they're going to treat you well. It might not be this week or next week. I hope it is, but at some point, this is all going to come back. But one thing for sure, we know one thing after this last year. We we've heard a lot of that smack about when you left and everything else. Family's doing pretty good, though, isn't it, buddy? <laughs> yeah, we are extremely, extremely blessed. That's what I want you to remember is that that marathon we've talked about, the first thing, most important thing is take care of your family. All those other things will come. They will. You're too good a player, and you're getting where you got patience. For a 30-year-old, you got more patience than I ever dreamed of having. So if I would give you just a little bit of old man advice, you keep doing what you're doing. You take care of your family. The 67s will come as you look forward to this end of the year. We probably don't know anything still. I, I'm going to say we don't. You're going to probably tell us if we do or don't. But I think the the future of golf is great, and I think you got on with the right team, and the people that don't think you do are just jealous. What do you think the future is going to bring? Uh, it's, it's such a great question. Um, you know, we, we, we don't know. Um, I, I, I know this. I know that golf is in a great place and it has great people behind it that you know for the most part want what's best for the game they want what's best for the fans they want what's best for the golfers um and so you just you know like anything you you get the right people with the right motives uh behind something and and good things are going to happen and so you know i i like you said i i think i think the future of golf is great and uh I mean, how could you not be excited as a fan, as a player, as anyone involved in golf? I just I don't see how you couldn't see everything that's going on right now and, and not be excited about it. And, you know, whenever the whole merger thing was announced, you know, I just told people this is a great day for golf. Like, every, everyone wins in this scenario. And, you know, some people might win more than others, but everyone is winning because of what's happening right now. So. Uh, it's a good time to be a part of golf. Plain simple. Talking about that live PGA Tour merger, TG. I guess we'll transition to that real quick. Number one, have you talked to Yasser? And number two, my question would be: Do you have confidence in Yasser that he will do right by you and all your other live guys over there? Yeah, actually, he's here uh, this week. I saw him today. Uh, he, uh, I was asking him if he was going to go and, and play some golf, and uh, and sure enough, he was like, "Yeah, absolutely." So, um, 
yeah, listen, at the end of the day, he is a really, really smart guy, and he has the, the best intentions for golf. Um, he has such a, a passion for golf, and um, I believe in him. And, and I know that he's going to uh, do what's right for for golf and 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 for the golfers and the professional golfers involved. And and um, and like I said, he's, he's a sharp guy, and we've got a lot of a lot of people in. Uh, you know, both live in the PGA Tour that, um, you know, we've got smart people around to, to help guide the ship on all of this. And so, you know, I don't know what it looks like, uh, but I am confident uh, that the future is, is going to be a fun, exciting time for, for the game of golf. Okay, so in that press release, TG, they said that they would have the team aspect involved. And obviously, we don't know what it's going to look like, but... If you, if they asked you what your opinion would be on how to involve the team aspect going forward, what would it be like? Is, are we going to just continue to see kind of the PGA Tour and uh, live, you know, coexist as different entities going forward? And it, it, and this is all hypothetical, like just if they asked you, um, or would we involve PGA Tour players into the team aspect as well? You know, uh, back. Uh, back right after Australia. Yeah, it was right after Australia. You know, I was talking with some guys and I just, I thought this was such a great time for the two sides to, uh, put their differences aside and come together because what, what makes sports great is passion. It's, it's a little bit of rivalry. It's, you know, Oklahoma State hates OU and, OU hates Texas and, you know, Dallas Cowboys hate the Eagles. Like, sports are at its best when there's a little a little bit of a rivalry involved. And so, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity that you could have a little bit of intermingling between, you know, live and PGA Tour tournament um, that, that could get people excited. You know, there's going to forever be, you know, the, the people who – you know, support live and the people who support PJ tour. And it's, it's great. Um, and, and it's something that's going to continue to fuel, um, fuel the game and, and bring attention and eyeballs and excitement to it. So, um, that's, you know, part of why I say, I, I just, I think the future is bright because I, you know, I just think there's going to continue to be, um, you know, a little bit of a, of a rivalry. Um, and, and I, I think, um, I think there's if hypothetical, I mean, I have no idea where to even begin, but I, I think it would be cool if there was some intermingling, uh, you know, where let's say one tournament, uh, sorry for each live tournament, there's like one team that's builded with, you know, PJ tour guys or, you know, and then a couple of PGA tournaments, like, you know, Riviera or the players or you know, whatever, you know, there's a few live guys that come and play or, you know, something of that nature. I just think there's a, there's a way that you could have a little bit of intermingling that would uh, really, really, you know, create some, uh, some attention and, and some, some eyeballs and, and uh, get people excited, you know, about the week. So I, I really don't know what, like I said, what it looks like. I, I don't even know what would be best. Um, but I do know, Especially on on the live side, we've got a lot of people that are really smart uh, that have some really cool ideas 
um, that also have the best of intentions for the game of golf. And, you know, I, I think there's going to be some really, really cool things that come from all this in the future. Now that you've done this for a year, the team aspect and the individual aspect, it looks like you guys get so excited when your team wins. Do you find it takes anything away from the individual wins? Or, I mean, you guys look like you're having so much fun when your teams win. Walk us through a team event as well as the individual event. I just can't even imagine trying to do this every week. Yeah, and which one is better, a team win or an individual win? I mean, I, I can say this. The, maybe the most nervous I've been on a golf course was last year in Miami. Um, as, as we all know, you know, when you're playing for something more than yourself, like it's just an added pressure. Like if I go out there and just play bad for, you know, and play like crap and it's, I, you know, finish terrible because of it. Like I'm the only one that suffers, but for the team part, if you play bad and your team suffers, now you're letting other people down, you know, and that's, it's just an added layer of pressure. It just makes it more difficult and, um, it just heightens everything. And so, that's why, you know, when it, when it, there's more pressure and, and you succeed, there's more enjoyment, you know. And at, at the end of the day, I think that's going to continue to garner attention from fans as they, you know, continue to familiarize themselves with the limp system. And, you, you know, you start to see, um, you know, a sport that is taking on similar aspects to other sports, you know, from a team aspect and team trades and, you know, there's just there's so much opportunity for the the team aspect of live that uh, could be really really cool, and uh, I have no doubt that that will continue to um, become more and more of a focal point, both from the league um, and from you know, the fans' perspective. Still talking about this live PGA Tour merger. One thing that. I feel like will come out of this is live golfers will get official world golf ranking points. Now we don't know that for sure, but if I were to ask you, what would you be lobbying for or what should the live guys be asking Yasser to put on the table uh, when this merger does come to fruition and we know the schedule uh, and we know everything about this, what would you ask Yasser to say to the, the leaders of the OWGR to kind of make you guys whole and get you guys into major championships again, or, you know, even maybe reciprocate some of those OWGR points you missed out on. What, what type of things would you be looking for Yasser to help you guys do moving forward in this merger? Yeah, that's, you know, that's another really complex, you know, situation because, you know, I don't, I just don't know it well enough where I can't, predicted well enough to, to know like you know if you retroactively uh you know get points you know how does that like how does that affect things moving forward how does that you know affect current world rankings I, you know i just i i think that's really that's for us to go down the world ranking path in, within the owgr as it currently is like i just feel like that's gonna be really really tough to figure out i i think maybe the easier way to go about it. Um, Cause at the end of the day, it, it, this is strictly about majors. Like how, how do we figure out the, the majors? You know, how do we figure out how many people from live should get into majors? I, I think those are um, the questions that are needing to be asked. 
Um, and, you know, I just, I don't know. It's going to be a uh, very interesting uh, time to see how all that, you know, transpires. But I, I just, I think it's going to be tough because I just don't know how, you know, basically no matter what happens, if you go down the OWGR path, like someone's going to be upset. Someone is not going to get their way. Someone's going to be frustrated about it. Um, and that's, that's, you know, that's, that's just not an easy solution. And so I, I don't know. I, right. I think, like I said, the, the simplest way uh, from a major's perspective is, you know, you give X amount of guys from live, you know, a spot into the majors. Um, then you try to figure out from there, okay, now how do we, you know, figure out who the best players in the world are? Because, you know, no one, no one cares who the 24th ranked guy in the world is. Like, no one says, you know, on TV, like, hey, who's the 24th ranked player in the world right now? Like, it's world number one. That's that's the talk. And so um, everyone is chasing after that. And so there's got to be a way to figure that part out. Um, but kind of the more pressing matter, um, I think, is, is the major situation. And so that, I think, needs to be a focal point, uh, you know, as we are about to finish the last major of the year to, you know, figure out a solution before we uh, get into the majors next year. Do you think they can figure it out before next season? Not just talking about OWGR, just the schedule in general. It seems like a cluster, and obviously the PGA Tour has the wraparound season. How long do you think this is going to take for them to figure all this out? Oh, uh, I, that's a great question as well. I mean, I, I really have no idea on the PJ Tours and what is uh, what the future holds and how the scheduling and everything is going to work out. You know, I know that with Liv, I know that they've continued to uh, operate uh, in the same manner now as they were six months ago. So on our end, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know of any changes that are going to happen. I don't know how they uh, integrate the system together you know um yeah so i feel like i'm saying i don't know a lot probably hey. like everyone else <laughs> in the golf world that's why i asked the question right tg too. because a lot of people are acting like they know and you don't even know <laughs> right so <laughs> yeah correct correct i uh yeah i i think until um like a final stay is, is made i i just i think there's a lot of speculation going on in, in the golf world right now I'm out here at Midget Meadows, and I, I found your hole in one hole, I think. It's number seven. Oh, uh, yeah, I thought it was number seven. It's about 125 yards over a little creek. There's a little creek. Yep. you got to get it there. Buddy. Good job, buddy. So, yep. so here's my question. I'm watching my little uh, – now I'm going to go way off subject. Sam, I'm sorry. i got to ask you why I got him on the phone. I love it. My little 11, my little 11-year-old cannot turn. He just picks the club up and gets it straight up and down. He, he doesn't understand the rotation of turning. What can I give him? What's a tip, dude, to teach this little guy how to turn? He just picks the club up and chops down on it. Sorry, Sam. I had to ask. Yeah, I love it. Uh, that's good. That's, uh, I, so the tip I give a lot of amateurs that um, do not rotate well is I, I say I, golf swing is very similar to throwing anything, throwing a rock, throwing a ball, throwing anything. And so you, you have to figure out how to 
make a similar move in a golf swing as you do when you're throwing something. So, um, like, if for him being 11, like, I mean, I would, on the range, just, like, have him throw golf balls in between hitting golf balls and, and try to get him to mimic that kind of a movement because there's, there's no coincidence why, you know, quarterbacks and pitchers are so good at golf because it's, there's so many similar, you know, movement patterns um, that cross over with those, those sports and with golf. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just I always go to that one. That's my go-to is it's like throwing anything. So you got to figure out how to mimic uh, throwing motion uh, and, you know, with your golf swing. That's great stuff, TG. And that is. I got I got one more tough question, then I have one more final fun question for you, TG. I hate to keep going back to this merger thing, but we got we got you here, and I got to ask. You know, we've heard PGA Tour players talking about wanting to get made whole on not getting their live money now that you know live in the PGA Tour are merging. They feel upset. Does it offend you at all? Uh, if the PGA Tour or Yasser or Liv were to pay those guys as well, considering they took no risk in the first place and you kind of got your name drugged through the mud for over a year, uh, it's almost like they're wanting to get paid with, with no risk involved. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I got no idea how all of that is going to happen, how it's you know going to go about. I, I get the frustrations and the you know, the anger from, you know, those guys. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate that they were led astray uh, and they, you know, things didn't turn out the way that they were told they were going to turn out. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's business is business. You know, sometimes you take risks and they don't work out and sometimes you take risks and they don't work out and sometimes you take risks and, you know, you know, it's it, it's just you know, plainly put, it's it's like any business. It's you know, if you take a risk and it, and it works out, and it usually that means it pays off. And um, you know, they they didn't take the risk, um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, who's to say that they shouldn't be compensated? You know, that's that's, that's not for me uh, to make the decision, and that's that's where I say we you know, we've got we've got some really really smart people and some really good leaders um, in the game of golf. Um, and, you know, I have no doubt that, um, you know, the right the right things are going to happen for, for everyone and for the game of golf and for whatever, whatever that is. That's a good answer. Good answer there, good TG. Answer, right. And so Woody hey, and I hey, – uh, go, go ahead, Woody. Sam, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up the fact that we're getting ready to play in a little golf tournament. Exactly what I was about to say. For, yeah, t- tell TG really, about well, this. Getting, yeah, TG, the, the golf coach over there, Carl Albert. I've been helping with him for two years now. Is, is John Herbert is his name. He's a football coach, but he's he's such a good dude, dude. He's probably the best coach those kids could ever have because uh, he's got his he's got his football, you know, grind, but he loves golf. So we're playing in a fundraiser. Believe it or not, not this coming weekend, but next weekend. And it's Sam and PW and myself, and I'm going to be playing with my stepson, Caleb King, who played golf with you. I'm sure you remember Caleb King. And uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, so it give us some memories of your Carl Albert days that I can pass on to those young men that they, they might one day think they're good enough to play the PGA Tour 
give us give us a little just memory lane here. I, I I'm going memory lane. I've I've asked all the live stuff I care to ask. I, I like to think about <laughs> what what has Taylor done? How did Taylor get to here? Give us some memories. Oh man. So one of my um kind of funniest memories, uh it's a it's a good story, was um we were gonna have a tournament at a uh, high school tournament at John Conrad and this was I think my junior year of high school. And the day before, you know, Edmund North and, you know, Jinx, and it was it was going to be a, a, a pretty big tournament. And there was a bunch of teams that were coming in, playing practice round and everything. And um, and I go and I get my practice in, and I, I go inside and go get a Coke or something, and I come back out, and sure enough, my clubs had been stolen. And we have a tournament the next day. And, um, and so I – like I said, I think I was 16 or 17 years old at the time, and the only other clubs I had at the house were clubs from when I was, you know, call it 13 years old. So uh, let's just say I was not the same size or the had the same speed or the same golf swing at 16 or 17 as I had at 13. And so um, I went and hit, you know, the, the perfect, beautiful Pro V1s uh, at John Conrad's range before the round the next day. And figured out where the ball was going with the you know the clubs I hadn't hit in years, and I uh, went out and shot like 67 or something and won the tournament. And I remember thinking, all right, I can do this with this type of stuff. I can do it with anything. My my little cocky 16 <laughs> or 17 year old self was thinking to myself, I if I can beat these guys with these clubs, like I have a chance of doing this thing. Um, yeah, one of my uh, proudest moments was getting my club stolen and then winning the next day with. Uh, a set of clubs I hadn't played with in years. That is good stuff. That's great that stuff. Awesome. And, and that Woody, that's, awesome. exact, that's true because I remember back when that happened and people were like, yeah, Taylor just won with, you know, getting his club stolen. You were winning every single uh, thing back then. There was a time last week, Taylor, where uh, Taylor Moore was leading on the PGA Tour and you were leading on Live. and I tweeted out, I've seen this before. You were leading the older age group and Taylor Moore was leading the younger one. What? It, maybe some uh, couple thoughts on Taylor Moore back in the days. He's having a good year. Oh, man, he's he's a stud, dude. He's, he was one of those guys that took him a, you know maybe a couple years longer than he wanted to to break through to get to the PGA Tour, but he was he's one of those guys that once he's, you know, got his PJ Tour card. There was no doubt he was going to, you know, be a mainstay. And and um, and yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I keep kind of joking with people. I'm like, like, hey, we're gonna. I'm gonna figure out how to become a captain of one of these live teams, and I'm going to. I'm a. I'm a recruit Taylor Moore out of the PJ Tour. We're gonna team up like it's an OJG team. We might even call it the team, the the Red River team or something. I don't know, and <laughs> we'll just go do it. Uh, but no, nah, man, he's he's a freaking stud, and it's just really cool to see, uh, you know, all the success he's having. And, um, by no means surprising, because like I said, he's and he's he's a pick. No doubt about it. Well, TG, obviously, the Range Goats headed to Centurion in London. What's the uh, team vibe this week? Obviously, Centurion last year played as one of the harder courses on Live. I think it might have even had the highest highest uh, finishing score on Live last year. Uh, what are your thoughts headed into this week? Yeah, I mean it's it's a uh, it's a tough golf course. I played nine uh, earlier with uh, you know the team Harold and Bubba and CP and and 
uh, the three of them hadn't played this course last year. And so, you know, we get done with the nine and they were all like, and you weren't lying. Cause I, I told them, I'm like, guys, this place is not easy. Like this is, it's a hard golf course. And, um, and they were like, man, you, you're not lying. That thing is hard. So it's, it's going to be a, another good week of, of, you know, you can't fake it. You got to go play some really good golf. And, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, be back playing the, you know, the, the one year anniversary of live starting the, the course that we started all at. So that'll be fun. Be some good memories flying around. And, um, yeah, see if we, um, you know, the, the team we've been, you know, beating on the door, uh, for a while now. And so, uh, we got one win back in Singapore, but it's time, it's time to get another one on the board. So hopefully we can get that done this week. No doubt about it. Well, Taylor, thank you for taking so much time in a week where obviously you're playing again back-to-back weeks. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the 73rd hole and just shoot the breeze with us for an hour and kind of catch up on everything that's gone on in the crazy world of golf that we live in nowadays. But I will speak for Taylor Williams and obviously, you know, Jim Woodward I know feels the same way that we could not be prouder of you and happier to watch you week in week out you know having the success that you're having on live it's awesome to watch and it almost feels like a tradition that every single time you win we have you on the show uh and then you're going on and you'll probably win again it might be four or five or six like like i saw a meme on twitter tg of your face on lebron's face and it said not one not two but three (laughs) and so let's make it four this week in london yeah, that's, that's I plan, agree man, and, and we'll, yeah, and we'll, uh, if that happens, we'll, we'll do this again in a week. Yes, sir. Hey, yes, sir. Hey, Taylor, Taylor, 67, 67. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The rule of 67. I love it. Taylor Gooch, three-time winner this year on Live. Thank you so much again, TG. Have a great week. I appreciate it, fellas. Y'all have a good one.